We're in this series called The Path, The Path. So get out, get your notes out. Let's get ready and we're gonna go pretty quick today. Before we get into those, we like to laugh around here and have some fun and haven't done it in a while, so I pulled up some good old church signs. How I many of those church signs can tell you a lot? <laughs> and here's a few that I found and uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. I think they're coming. There they are. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you wanna meet him. <laughs> pretty good. All right, and then, then here's another one. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> I hope y'all don't put that one out on our church, all right? That's why I don't have signs that you can put letters on here, all right? Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. That was a mad sign guy. That was a mad, mad sign guy right there. He needs an anger management small group right there. Yes, he does, all right. But uh, hey, church signs, you gotta love them, right? Gotta love them. Let's get right into our message today. We're talking to, last Sunday, we talked to you about the path of change, salvation, knowing God. Today, we wanna get right into part two of this journey on the path of freedom. Second Corinthians, our text that we're using all through this series the Apostle Paul speaks to us very plain words. He says this, therefore, therefore, if anyone, say that with me, anyone, what does that mean, you and I? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. How many is thankful for a new life in Christ? Amen, amen. And we share with you and everything we do here at Transformation Church is built around these four steps that God wants to take every one of us on in this path of life. Number one, he wants you to know him, to know God. God just wants you to have a true relationship with him and to know him. He, he's not at first interested in your church attendance or your giving or your serving. All of those things are important and they will come later, but he wants you to know him. And he wants you to know him in a very personal way. And so God, first of all, wants you to know him. Number two, once you know him, we're gonna talk about it today, he wants you to begin to take the path of freedom. He wants you to begin to find freedom. First is the path of change, know God. All things passed away, all things become new. Once I know him, and I'm in this thing called salvation, he then wants me to begin to walk a path of freedom. Once I begin to walk that path of freedom and God begins to let those things and things begin to work out of me that were destroying me, he wants you to discover your purpose. And next Sunday, we're gonna talk about the path to discovering your purpose. How do you do that? You know God, you're walking out freedom. God wants you to discover your purpose so that number four, you can begin to make a difference in the lives of others who are seeking out to know God. And so as we begin to walk out this journey, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Today, I want us to go back to last Sunday for a moment, and we talked about the path of change because it all starts right there. In Ephesians, Paul says, God saved you by his grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believe, God saved you, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. That God said that he has saved you by his grace when you believed. And that's all that's required. The reason I'm going back to last week 
in the path of change is that the only thing that God requires of us for that change to accept Christ, to experience salvation, is to believe. And we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we believe in him. And he said, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And so God immediately saves us and gives us a complete and total new beginning. You are instantly saved at that point so that I now can become a part of this journey of now finding freedom, discovering my purpose, and then go and make a difference in the lives of others. But then I wanna bring that into today's message on the path of freedom. And, and I wanna really deal with this today because this is where 87% of the church stays stuck. Only 13% of the church ever moves into discovering their purpose. 87% of the church stays right here their entire Christian life and they never full, fulfill God's purpose and make a difference in the lives of others. That's why only 2% of confessing Christians ever lead another person to Christ personally. Now the Muslims are outdoing us. Jehovah's Witnesses are outdoing us. The Buddhists are outdoing us. But Christians stay stuck because we never find true freedom and experience it and we never feel good enough for God to wanna to do anything through us. So I wanna to talk to you today about this path of freedom. You see, salvation was instant, it was free, and it took nothing on your part but believing. Freedom is totally opposite of that. In the, in the path of freedom, it involves works on mine and your part. Salvation required no work from us at all. Just believe in the work that Jesus had already done on Calvary. No works on our part whatsoever. But to walk a life of freedom requires work on mine and your part. Paul speaks to us in Philippians chapter two. Work hard, say it with me. Work hard to show not your salvation, not work hard to be saved, work hard to show the results of what's already happened in your salvation. This is where we get stuck because we're trying to get good enough to be saved. We're trying to work our salvation. We're trying to work to be saved. We're trying to get good enough for God. Show up enough Sundays. And I want you here on every one of them, but if you get a vacation, can get away with your family, do it. I'll see you next week. But God's not, your salvation is not based on you were here 52 Sundays or you put this much money in the offering bucket. Yes, I believe in the tithe and I believe that it's obedience or disobedience to God, but that has nothing to do with my salvation. That's all on Calvary and on Jesus. So he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. How? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not work hard to get saved, but now work hard to show the results. That's moving into purpose. Come on, you with me? And if you're stuck in trying to be good enough and earn your salvation, you will never enter the promise number three of purpose in your life. And God's saying, I don't want you to work to be saved. I want you to work to show the results of what I've already done in your life. And so works comes in only after salvation has taken place. 
You see, here, here's where we get stuck. We want freedom to take place like salvation did. Instantly, and God does it all. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful? Like that addiction, that anger, that unforgiveness, which is, by the way, unfulfilled revenge. You just hadn't got even yet. And we are gonna do a series on that later. We're not gonna announce it because I want you to come. <clears throat> but all those things that, that, that are controlling us and they're destroying us, we're trying to work them out. God's saying, you can't work them out. You just need to work out the results of what salvation does to them. And, and so I wanna help you today. I wanna take you on a three-step process of freedom, the path of freedom. Number one, get your notes out. Three areas that God wants to bring freedom in mind in your life today. Number one is freedom over sin. Freedom over sin. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I do not have to sin. Don't have to. This involves... Freedom over sin involves the decisions and choices that we make ourselves. The old slogan, the devil made me do it, it's not true. <laughs> we did it because we wanted to. Come on, let's get real. And, and, and God wants to bring a place that we begin to walk out a path of freedom over sin. Look in Romans, the Apostle Paul again, and, and understand who's talking to us now. This is the guy that gives us the majority of the New Testament. This is the guy that God handpicked. Here it is, read it with me. He says it in Romans seven, it's coming sometime. All right, so I find this law at work. This is Paul now, is he a Christian? He's a Christian. I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, anybody been there? Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, Paul said, in my inner man, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work, not outside of me, but in me. And is waging a war against the law of my mind and is making me a prisoner of the law. Watch this. We got some tech issues. A law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. What, what Paul's saying here, he's going, look guys, I'm in the same boat you're in. I know God chose me. I know God handpicked me. I know that he's used me to pen the Bible, but I want you to know that this guy, Paul, that you see as this great faith hero, he's got some stuff going on on the inside. And, and, and in my mind and in my heart, I wanna do everything that pleases God. But there's a war raging inside of me because there's still a battle against my mind and there's this sin thing that I'm still struggling with that I delight in pleasing God and I wanna do everything to please him. But there's a war raging. And then he comes and he goes, you guys think I'm all perfect and good and look pretty. And he said, and if I compare myself to other people, I do look pretty good. But I don't compare me to people, I compare myself to God and to Christ himself himself, and when I do that, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? 
Thanks be to God, here it is, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Apostle Paul tells us, I've got this battle, but he then ends it with this powerful statement, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Have you understand over 50% of the people that are incarcerated or in prison, when they come out of prison, over 50% will return to prison within a three-year period. You wanna know why? They were pardoned for their offense, but they never found the inward freedom of the issue that caused the offense to start with. Come on, help me. And if you think that's high, 87% of the church is living it out every Sunday. Jesus has freed us, salvation, from our offense. We're free to go and never come back to it but yet, if you don't move into your purpose, you will eventually go back to what you needed to save you and your salvation. Come on. And so this thing of freedom is vital in our journey with Christ. You see, knowing God takes care of our eternity, but finding freedom determines the quality of life that you and I are gonna experience here on earth. And so many are saved and going to heaven, but they struggle daily with what I call messed up thinking. They're plagued by selfish habits, secret addictions, sexual temptations, unforgiveness, bitterness, sinful attitudes, saved, but not walking in freedom. And so we've got to realize today that God wants to give us freedom over sin. Jesus did not offer himself to be completely slaughtered on the cross to help you and I make our old man better. He didn't go through what he went through for us to make our old person better. He was slaughtered so old things could pass away and all things could become brand new that the old is gone and the new has come. Jesus didn't come to help make my old better. He came to destroy my old and give me a brand new. And experience that new person in Christ. You see, I, I grew up in church where if you breathe wrong, you're just going to hell. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they told us, every, I didn't even want to go to church. I got tired of going to church. I felt worse when I on my way home than I did on the way there. You know what I mean? It's like, this preacher's going to send me to hell again today. I know it. I saw another church sign. It's pretty cool. It said, I kissed a girl and I liked it. Then I went to hell. <laughs> and that's how we felt, wasn't it? It was like, Everything's sending you to hell. And our whole Christian life wasn't on trying to become like Jesus. It was on trying not to be like the devil. And let me just make it clear. This Bible was not written and given to us to answer every question we've got. It wasn't given to us to give us direction on every step that we take. David Platt made it so beautiful this week the Bible was given to us to give us the opportunity to be formed into the image of Christ. And, and some people have asked me, not in a negative way, they said, I like the notes and I love that you give a lot of scripture. Why do you give so many scripture? Because God's word will do what I can't do. 
We'll always get scripture. We're not going to come up here and just tell you a bunch of personal stories. They'll make you laugh or cry, but they're not going to walk you through your struggle, and they're not going to help free you from your bondage. But the word of God, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed, and God's word will set us free today. And sin has no authority. There's this, this war raging, and if you're not honest with that, then one of your issues is lying and just dishonesty. Because all of us have issues. Come on, help me preach here today. All of us, there's still days I want to slap somebody. It's not every day, thank God, but they still arise. There's day you want to get revenge. Come on. There's day you just, God, give me five minutes with this dude. I'll fix it and I'll come back and repent later. That's, you know, come on. I'm preaching to the right church. I know I am. There's still stuff. It's too much today, Pastor. I just need that fix. I just need that high. Just, just get me through one more day. I'll, I'll, I'll get back on track next week. No, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Jesus wants to set you free from messed up thinking. Number two, there's freedom from offenses. There's freedom from sin. And how many is ready to walk a life free from sin? Number two, there's freedom from offenses. You see, sin is things that we bring on ourselves by our own will and our own choice. Offenses are wounds that come to us on the actions of other people that we didn't ask for or desire. And as much as I can say anybody here sin, we'd all raise our hands. I can say anybody in here been offended or hurt, and we can all raise both hands, amen? And guess what? Hurt people hurt people. So before you become too judgmental, just remember you've done it to other people too. And so have I. But freedom from offenses. You see, broken homes, abused as a child, divorce, betrayal as an adult, hurt deeply by someone you trusted and loved, falsely accused. Wounds represent those hurts that we did not invite, we did not ask for. They're the actions of others that blindside us and catch us off guard. And you see, if you do not deal with your wounds once and for all, you and I will never experience the promise of redemption that God brings through discovering our purpose. That, that we'll never, you're gonna, we're gonna talk about it next Sunday that God says, I wanna redeem you. And the word redeem means I wanna take you back to your original place in the womb of your mother before I ever created you. And I wanna bypass all your hurt, all your failure, all your disappointments, all your letdowns, all the offenses, all that abuse. I wanna bypass all of that and let's get you right back to my redemptive plan in your life and let's start back with plan A because God doesn't have plan B, C, or D for your life. And that preach is wonderful, but you can't experience that until you begin to walk freedom. Because you can't walk purpose if you're still living in old bondage. God wants to bring freedom from these hurts and offenses. If you don't allow that to happen, you'll stay stuck with that 87% that'll get to heaven, but they'll get to heaven miserable. There's a lot of people going to heaven miserable. Oh, you're saved because Jesus did all that. But you're miserable in life because there's this struggle and you're not finding the freedom that you want that took place in salvation, but it's just not happening as quick in my life because we're still with wrong people and making wrong choices and doing wrong things and, and we're not dealing with the issues and, and we're letting sin rule in our mind and we're, we're letting hurts and offenses and unforgiveness. Is, the Bible calls it a cancer. It's witchcraft. 
that will destroy you. And, and we got all this stuff. And so why does the devil want to keep you in this area? Why, why does the devil not want you to find freedom? You want to know why? Because once you begin to walk out freedom, you automatically enter into discovering your purpose. And when you begin to discover your purpose, you move into the fourth step. And that's now you're going to make a difference in the lives of other people. And Satan doesn't mind you getting to heaven as long as you don't take somebody else with you. He, he knows that once you understand this path of freedom, man, you move into purpose. I'm serving somewhere. I'm doing something. I'm inviting people. I, I, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my life to the kingdom. He knows once you move into purpose, you're going to start making a difference in the kingdom. So he wants to keep you stuck of never feeling saved enough, never feeling free enough, and never experiencing his free, God's freedom in your life so that you avoid anything about God's purpose for your life. See, some of us, we need to quit waking up going, I wonder what the devil's got planned against me today. Join me and wake up every morning and put your feet on the floor and go, watch out, devil, because I'm up. And realize today that God's got purpose and plan for your life. Paul says in Ephesians, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Here's, here's the key. We miss it. We quickly go through this part because that sounds better. Sounds real theological up there. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know what he means? He gets his foot in the door. And as long as his foot's in the door, you can't shut it. And he don't mind keeping his foot in the door for three months as long as he knows he's gonna get the rest of himself in there. As long as you let that foot get in that door he knows you're going to go back to drugs, you're going to go back to drinking, you're going to go back to your sex, you're going to go back to your, your anger, you're going to go back to your unforgiveness. If he can just keep a foot in the door. Yeah. And see, that's where that 87 stays stuck is they have enough church to get them to heaven, but their life's empty and miserable because the enemy's still got a foot in their door. Yeah. It is a good word, though. I'm preaching it. Thank you. <laughs> you see... Unforgiveness empowers our offender and enhances their control over our mind and our life. You see, some of you aren't offended by other people today. You're mad at God. God's your offender. He saved you. You've experienced salvation in him, but you're mad at him, and it's okay because God can handle it. Anybody ever been mad at a parent? Like you said it in your mind, but it didn't come out of your mouth. There's a whole lot of things I wanted to say to my dad, but he never knew it because you'd still be finding pieces of me in the lawn. He didn't know it, but I was angry at him. He's my father, but man, he disappointed me. He could have done this. He could have done that. He, he didn't have to be that hard on me. He, he, I had these things, and I'm sure my children have felt the same. And you know what? I can handle it if my kids will be honest with me. As I've told them, you can do, you go through anything in life, I'm gonna stand beside you. But if you lie to me, I can't stand with you because I don't know where you're at. If I know where you're at, I'm with you. I'm your father. You know, God's that way. And we gotta come and understand that some of us are angry at God today because things have happened in our life that he could have prevented and he didn't. 
And then Christians, I'm writing a manual. I've had several pastors of mega churches contact me in our journey with Javen, and they said, well, you put together a manual that we can use in our church. So I'm writing a manual on what not to say to people when they're going through a trial. Because Christians say some crazy things. God calls that. God's got that. I don't need you to tell me that God calls something that I'm ticked off at him about. And one of the cliches is so, I heard it so much in James area, everything happens for a reason. That doesn't help me when I can't find the reason. And, and we've got to come and understand comments like this only make people more angry and the pain worse. You can't possibly imagine a reason for what you're experiencing at the moment. And let me say this as your pastor today, sometimes bad things happen for no reason. No reason other than we are human beings experiencing a human experience. Pain, heartache, grief, personal loss, disease, death are inevitable parts of this human experience because when sin came into the world, pain, grief, sorrow, and suffering came with it. And we all experience it. And like many of you, I understand having more questions than I do answers. So, so this whole thing that everything happens for a reason. My brother, my father died of a brain disease. Then, then a year ago, my brother died of a brain disease, a year older than me, withered down to 68 pounds, looked like a Holocaust victim. Prayed my guts out and he died. My son Tommy in a motorcycle accident. My grandson Jabin is terminally ill right now with a brain disease. I, I've got questions that I don't have answers to. And, and for me to come back to a saying that everything happens for a reason, I haven't got the answers to those reasons yet, but I know this, God is good. God is just. God is fair. God is gracious. And I'm gonna wake up every morning and say, this is the day that you have made and I'm gonna rejoice in you and I'm gonna be glad in it. And I don't have to have all the answers to all the questions of life. I know you are good. And I'm not gonna allow the offenses of life to come and stop my relationship with you. Many of us in here today, we're not struggling with sin. We're struggling with offenses and disappointments in life. And we've told God it's not fair. And we've looked at life and said, God, if you love me like you love them, you don't know the hell that's going on in their book and in their story. We need to wake up every day and realize that God wants to bring a freedom in our life of sin. And he wants to free us from these questions and, and, and issues in our life that we don't have answers to and may not ever get an answer to. God wants you to put your faith and your trust in him and know that his love for you is unconditional and that life takes us all down journeys that we don't understand. I read a great article the other day. It said that, that we, we don't have the right or the opportunity to choose the path that life takes us down, but we have every opportunity on how we react to that path. And that determines our true love and devotion to God. And then last of all, and I close, there's freedom over the devil. Freedom over the devil. How many glad you've got authority over him? He said, you see, you must learn how to take authority over the enemy. You've got to stop giving him back territory that God has given to you. You've got to stop handing territory back over to the enemy that God has given you freedom and ownership of. Paul says in Ephesians 6, finally, 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 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And we've got to come and understand today that God says you've got authority over the devil. When, when Jesus, when he died and he resurrected, the Bible says he walked straight down into the pit of hell. He took the heel that Satan had bruised and he crushed the head of the serpent. He took from him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He led out with him a procession of people and declared that he is the king, he is the Lord, and he's the king and the Lord of all. And today he wants you to know that in you greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I know it's just become a cliche, but it's still the word of God. And it still has all power and authority. So will you say it with me again? Greater is he, Christ, who's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, say it one more time to yourself. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Declare it now. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Satan has no authority over you when you begin to walk out that life of freedom. And God wants to give us freedom today, freedom over sin, freedom over offenses, and he wants to give you freedom over the devil. You need to stop listening to the wrong voice. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. So how do I experience this, pastor? How, how do I walk out this freedom? How do I walk the path of freedom? Romans puts it like this. So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Come on, say it with me. No condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Who are those? Those that experience, number one, know God. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you, freedom, freedom, from the power of sin that leads to death. You see, if you don't get that, and I don't get that, that scripture right there, if we don't get that scripture, we're stuck for the rest of our life. We'll come to church, we'll do all the right things, we'll make it to heaven, we're gonna get to heaven and realize that we could have lived a far greater, joyful, fulfilled life on earth if we'd have just got this. There's no condemnation. No condemnation to those who, that know God. We've got a life-giving power of a life-giving spirit who's freed us, a journey of freedom from the power of sin leads to death. God wants you to experience this life of freedom today. I have issues, you have issues, but until we acknowledge them, we're stuck. But once we acknowledge them, we can go to Paul again in Romans 8, and he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Where's that mind go? Gutter. Revenge, hatred, anger, sexuality, impurities, addictions. He says, no, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control 
your mind leads to life and peace. You see, what's the key then? Here's your last answer. Relationships are the key to deliverance. Right relationships, you hear us talk about it all the time here at the church. Some people won't get it, some people won't do it. They're the ones that's gonna live in bondage and they're gonna stay miserable most of their life because salvation, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus to be saved. I mean, you'll get that. All you need, believe on him and I'm saved. But freedom requires other people in my life. Work out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so there's other people required in our life. The book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, he put it like this. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. But then he goes on in the book of James and he puts it like this. Therefore confess your sins to each other, other people, and pray for each other, other people, so that you will and may be healed. You see, salvation only needs Jesus. That's all I need. But for me to walk this journey, this path of freedom, you better have some people in your life, people you can talk to on your bad day. That day you wanna go hit somebody, that day that you wanna go shoot up again, that day that you just think a little bit of crack's gonna get you through this pain and confusion, that day just a bottle won't hurt, that day just this fling on the side, that's just something to get me through this crisis. No, you need somebody you can talk to that'll get your head back where it belongs, get your heart back where it belongs and, and realize that I, I've gotta to confess to you today, I wanna to do something bad, I wanna do something. Now you don't need to do that with Channel 3. You don't need to do that with a news journal. You need a brother or sister in your life that you've built relationship with. That's why we have small groups, small groups, small groups, small group. It's so that you can build relationship and accountability I shared it with one of our, our men. He's about this tall. And he's huge, big guy, just big. And he just recently got saved. And he grew up like me with an anger issue. And he's in my man talk small group that we do on Tuesday nights. And we were talking about it. And he, he told us, he said, I, I got so mad, just pressure from his job and everything. And, and he said, I got so angry, Pastor. He was telling us in the small group. He, and he gave me permission to use it. But he said, I, I, I got so mad. It was like two in the morning. And I picked up our table and I was fixing to throw it through the kitchen window. And his wife and children were standing there like deers in headlights, you know, and like, you're not gonna do that, are you? And he said, right when I had it in the air, this guy's holding the whole table. He said, I'm about to throw it through the window. And I remembered what you were telling us while you were preaching that if you got a bad moment, you better have somebody in your life you can call. And he put the table down and called two of the men in that small group. And they met him at 2.30 in the morning and they walked him through that journey and now he's testifying that how God is freeing him from that anger and that control of that anger. Jesus is not doing that by himself. He requires him to do part of it too, that he's gotta get some people around him and you've gotta have some people that will honor you and trust you even on your bad day. That you can share what I'm really going through and I just need somebody. I'm glad I belong to a church of grace here today that lets me as a pastor still have bad days. And I'm not talking about a habitual life of sin. I'm talking about we're on our journey with Jesus, but we still battle some things. Come on. I'm, I know some of y'all may have it all together, but I'm just still working on it. We all have those days, man, 
where the enemy comes in like a flood, but God said, I raise up a standard against him. Realize today that God wants to give you freedom over sin, freedom over offenses, and freedom over the devil. How do I do that? Relationships with people. You know, the Roman soldiers, and I'm closing, I've already gone over time. The Roman soldiers, when they would go to battle, they would link their shields together. They were made so that they could connect together and they locked together and make one solid shield. And though they were each individual behind a shield, they're now connected. And the reason of that is if that soldier gets hit by the enemy and is killed or he gets weak and faint and falls down, there's no gap in the shield. The protection's still there. And if he's injured, the other soldiers are now keeping the enemy from being able to come in and take his life because he's laying on the ground, but the enemy still can't get through because his shield's still there, though he's not. And that's what God's saying to the church, that you need some people around you that'll connect your shield with their shield and your shield with their shield and their shield with another brother and sister's shield. And we create a barrier around us that even on our weekday, the enemy can't come in and take us out because we're connected to a family that wants to see us all succeed and find God's favor and blessing in our life. You're in a safe place here today because we're not looking for a reason to send you to hell. We're looking for a way to get you to heaven on our good and our bad day. So relationships are key, and that's why as we open up, we're taking a break after this week from our semester of small groups. We're gonna take a month off, and then we're gonna kick off our six-week summer small groups, and I challenge every person in this church in our next semester, plug into a small group. Pastor Brad, I'll talk to you in a minute. Maybe think about starting a small group, but small groups are the key to relationships, and relationships are the key to freedom. And so three things I wanna leave you before we close that I wanna encourage you to do if you haven't done it yet, number one is be water baptized. We baptize many people Sunday. We'll continue throughout the year, have water baptism. Why is that so important? Because Jesus told us to. And if you're here and you're a new convert or, or you committed your life to Jesus recently and you've not been baptized, I wanna encourage you to do that because you're walking out the path that Jesus laid out for us. It's an outward expression of what God's already done in your heart. Number two is church membership, and we use the word membership lightly, but connect to a local church. We pray that this is it for you, and if it's not, we're in relations with some amazing churches in this town and pastor friends, and we'll help you get where you fit, but get in a local church and get involved and start freedom, purpose, freedom, purpose, and start working out that purpose and finding it and walking it out and making a difference in the lives of others. And then thirdly is get in a small group. As we end this semester and we move into another semester of small groups, I wanna challenge you as your pastor, make every intent when that summer comes and we start that new group of small groups that you get in one. Hopefully you'll start one and let's build those relationships that's gonna enable us to walk out that freedom and discover God's purpose so that we can go make a difference in the lives of the multitude. Amen, you receive God's word today? You receive it? Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray over this congregation today. God, I pray over every person here. God, I lift them to you today, Lord, and I just pray, God, favor and blessing over everyone. God, I pray for those today that maybe they're at that step one. They've not made that commitment to you yet, Father. They've not received you into their life as their Lord and Savior. I, I pray today is that day. For those that have, and God, I pray that you begin to help us, Lord, to walk out the path of freedom. 
God, we begin to find freedom, Lord, freedom over our, our, our sin, God. We, freedom over our offenses, Father, freedom over the devil. God, we begin to walk a life of freedom, no longer held back, but moving forward. God, so that as we preach next Sunday, Father, we can begin to discover our purpose and we can go make a difference in the lives of others. So God, I pray over this body today. And maybe you're here right now where every head's bowed. You say, Pastor Dan, today I need one. I need step one. I need to know God. And I want to know him personally. I'm not a bad person, but right now I'm not in a good place spiritually. And I just want you to pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. But if you'd like to join those that accepted Christ this morning, you can raise your hand right wherever you sit. And then you can put it right back down. It's really for God to see. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe on the web, maybe online. You need Jesus in your life today. He loves you. He deeply loves you. He wants to see change come in your life. We love you too. If you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus, will you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you I confess, I believe, and I receive in Jesus' name. I'm saved. I'm a new person in you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you join me and let's celebrate with these?